I had a teacher in high school. Her name was Mrs. Bevilacqua, one of those names you don't forget. And uh, she was an English teacher. She was actually my AP English teacher. This is my senior year of high school. And she was a really lovely lady, and we read a lot because it was an AP class. We read a lot of uh, contemporary fiction and even some classic fiction. We also read some other classics, but the whole purpose of the class was to stretch our imaginations around the idea of word and literature. And I thought about her this morning because one of the books that we had in that, in that senior year of high school was the Bible. Now, this was a secular high school. Now, you can imagine things have come a ways since I went to high school. But I remember we had the Bible as one of the books in our AP English class. And she gave each of the students in the class a Bible, the same one. And because we wanted to make sure that they didn't get mixed up with one another, she asked us to write our names in the book. And I recall that there were a number of students who were very apprehensive about this because they felt it was wrong in some way or they had some idea that maybe there might be something wrong with writing in the book, writing your name in the Bible. And I still remember what she said as an answer to the people that had concerns about doing that. She said, you know, it's not the book that's holy, but the words that are in it. Now, that's not necessarily a Catholic response because the book itself is something that we probably shouldn't, you know, throw in the back of our car. We have to show reverence to the Bible, reverence to Scripture. But the principle of what she shared was exactly right on, that the Word of God is holy. As Father already mentioned, just a few years ago, at the end of 2019, Pope Francis issued a motu proprio. That's just a fancy word of saying that he wrote a document on his own initiative. Nobody asked him to do it. He did it on his own. And that motu proprio declared today, the third Sunday in ordinary time, to be devoted specifically, and here I quote, to the celebration, the study, and the dissemination of the word of God. The celebration, the study, and the dissemination of the word of God. Why, you might ask. We've been around for 2,000 years and no pope before in history had thought about setting aside a particular Sunday to this given purpose. Well, he answers that in the following sentence. He says, the reason why is to create unity of purpose, to create unity of purpose among all of us. And you can see this in the document itself, which I invite you to read at your own leisure. In the first couple of paragraphs, in an effort to describe what scripture is, Pope Francis, in just a few words, uses four words that I thought were really interesting. One is unfathomable. Literally, you can plumb the depths of it and you'll never reach the bottom. He says it's, tr it's a treasure. It's got vast amounts of riches. He says it's inexhaustible, inexhaustible. No matter how many times you read scripture, no matter, no matter how many times you write notes along the margins of some insight that you got at that moment, the next time you read it, you can have another one. You can have another insight. And then he uses the word richness to describe it. The fact that there are in many languages all over the country, all over these different countries that we have on this earth, there are none that quite equate to the richness that exists, to the value that exists in Scripture. And of course, he's right. He's right on a practical level. 
Because scripture, the Bible, is not just a book. It's not a book among many books in a library. It's actually a collection of books written over 1,500 years by more than 40 different people in every genre from poetry to historical letter, from eyewitness testimony to poem. And on a supernatural level, it's written by man with all the use of his faculties. He's not being taken over. When St. John wrote down his gospel, he wasn't taken over by the Holy Spirit, so he wasn't in control of his own faculties. No, he brought his own gifts and characteristics to that writing. So it is written by man, but with God as the author. No other book in history can claim that. And so what I like to think about the Bible as is as a love library. The Bible is a love library. It's a library of love written by God to his kids over all of these many generations. And we know that because the great thing about the Bible is it attests to itself. It talks about the value of scripture in itself. It says that it's alive. In the book of Hebrews, it says the word of God is living and deficient and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces to the soul and spirit. So we know that it's alive. That's why when you read a passage of scripture one day and then you read it three weeks later, it kind of hits you in a different way. We know that the word of God is inspired by him. The book of Timothy says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We know that the word of God sustains us Jesus himself says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So it's not just the material things that we need that keep us going. We need this food, this sustenance, and scripture gives us that sustenance. We know that the word of God is powerful. Jeremiah, the same Jeremiah that writes in the in the first letter, in another place says, is not my word like fire, like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. It's powerful. That's why if you ever come across any of these, you know, documentaries on the church's deliverance ministry, the healing ministry of exorcism, you hear from priests who say, I just uttered the word of Jesus and something happened. You can see this in your own life too. You don't have to be an exorcist but the word of God is powerful and the word of God always achieves its purpose. Isaiah, again, the same Isaiah we heard from today in a different place says, my word that goes forth from my mouth shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So when we utter scripture, when we pray it by ourselves, share it in community, Scripture is doing something, and it's doing that which God desires it to do. And here's the best part. Here's the best part, my brothers and sisters. This love library, written over 1,500 years by 40 different people that does all the things I just mentioned, that whole love library, God made that just for you. He created that just for you with love. 
And so with that, with all of this, we look at just a couple of things from the scriptures today. In the first reading, Father mentioned Zebulun and Naphtali. And no, Father, I don't have a ton there. <laughs> but, what I, but what I do have to say from that reading is the very last part of that. It says, as on the day of Midian. And when we think about, well, what is that? What was the day of Midian? Well, the Midianites were descendants of Israel, but they turned bad at one point and were fighting against the people of Israel. And Gideon, who was the leader of their army, turned to God and said, how am I going to defeat these guys? There's so many more of them than we have. And God told him to proceed with his strategy in a different way that you and I might have thought of wasn't going to work. He said, not only do you not have enough people, you have too many people. I want you to pare down your army. And so Gideon, with a few hundred people, went into battle against thousands. And what did God give them to defend themselves with? He gave them a trumpet, and he gave them a pot of clay. And at the exact right moment, they blew their trumpets, and they smashed the pot of clay into the ground, and the other Midianite army scattered in every direction. And what does that tell us, my brothers and sisters, that even small acts can achieve great things with God? Even small acts can achieve the impossible with God. In the second reading, we hear about the unity of purpose that Pope Francis talked about, the reason why he gave us this great celebration that we have today. St. Paul's talking to the Corinthians and saying, I hear some of you say I'm on this team and I'm on this team and I'm over here. And he's trying to tell them, no, we got to come together. We have to be unified of purpose. How much of that do we see today? Even in the church, I'm a Vatican II Catholic. I'm a traditionalist Catholic. My brothers and sisters, we're not called to look left or right. We're called to look up. And so there is a reminder from the word of God for this time and place. And then lastly, in the gospel, the story that we've heard many times before. But I find it very interesting that Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, I will make you fishers of men. You're already fishermen, but I will bring to fulfillment that to which I've given you. And that's what God calls all of us to do in our lives. He wants to fulfill the things that we do every day. He wants to complete them. And then lastly, he calls the other two brothers. And you notice that it said that they left their boat and their father. Their scripture might be talking to us today about the importance of priority. That despite the fact that we love our fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and sons and daughters, God has to come first. The word of God is alive. It fulfills. It sanctifies. It's powerful. It's a love library. And it's just for you.